Alright, Rohit, welcome back. How you doing and how it be? Uh, it's great to be back on the podcast after a very, very long time. Huh, great job. So that was funny. Back. That was funny. It's been, it's been two weeks. <laughs> yeah, man, two weeks is a long time these COVID times. You are right. Two weeks is like two months. I think that, that is the math we can, we can do. I think it's two months and it's two million plus cases. <laughs> yeah, 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 dude, that's, that's bad. Um, but what are we here to discuss? We are once again breaking down the pulp. We have settled on a name, or I guess I just came to a name, one of the ones that we had mentioned in the last podcast. Uh, yeah, but we're breaking we have, down the pulp. Yeah, we are breaking down the pulp, but Mr. Vaidula, tell us what it is we are about to discuss. Today, we're, we're going to discuss, you've been hearing a lot about the economic impacts of the COVID-19, but uh, we want to talk about one specific way that COVID-19 has impacted particular mm-hmm. part of the economy and that's related to the schools we're going to talk about the impact of COVID-19 on the school bus industry because up until a week ago I didn't realize that there's actually private companies uh, school bus contractors that provide mm. school buses to school districts right and uh, they are hit very heavily by mm-hmm. this uh, pandemic with obviously with you know with the online migrate online migration so Right, right. And this this is what we had learned from a New York Times article, but mm-hmm. privately owned bus companies which carry nearly 10 million children to school a year account for roughly 40% of the school bus industry. So privately owned bus companies account for roughly 40% of the school yeah. bus industry. This was something that I can say I was not aware of. You said you weren't aware of it until like a week ago. Um, and... Congress has earmarked $50 billion for airlines, $25 billion for public transit, and $1 billion for Amtrak, but privately operated buses were largely left out of the release. So again, this is straight from the New York Times article. I'll be pinning it or I'll be dropping it in the description of the YouTube video. Uh, what can you, so from, from reading this, what were your initial reactions other than like, oh man, I didn't know this, because I know you and I went through this article together and like, for every single line, we were like, holy fuck, this is a problem that is not being properly addressed. Well, my main, uh, I guess, reaction was that uh, even after they said that this was, there's actually a private part to this industry, I didn't expect it to be that large. You know, I was mm-hmm. expecting, I was maybe, you know, a few companies here and there that that very few school districts can afford, right? The more, the ones that get the right. more funding, right? But it turns out there's a lot more mm-hmm. school districts than I, that employ these kind of private bus contractors. Right. I, I think what's yeah, that's also, the main thing. I think what's also important to note, and we had briefly mentioned this in the previous podcast, is that funding for education systems or government funding for education systems have been decreasing a lot over time and they continue to decrease and the first place to take a hit is the the education sector is education in general so when it comes to school buses you have to rely on these privately owned companies and again taking it from this article the amalgamated transit union one of the largest unions representing school bus drivers estimates nearly 13,000 of your workforce of 20,000 have been furloughed, so that's about 65%. Yeah, 
the impact, I mean, it's just very simple extrapolation. But if you assume mm-hmm. that for each, if you assume that all those people are drivers, well, they are obviously. And you have about 25, 20 students for each of the 13,000. That's about 260,000 kids that are not going to have a driver, you know, to drive them to school for the upcoming right. year. Because they'd be furloughed. So they'll, yeah, in, in some districts where they're opening up, Right, they're gonna start conducting in-person classes. They're not mm-hmm. gonna have drivers to get them going. And on top of that, you have parents that are already stressed out from this economic crisis. So they're gonna have to work for longer hours. And now they're not. And gonna also have, have to take to yeah, take their children to school. Right. Exactly. Right. And that is that does contribute to the uh, it does contribute to the overall stress of the situation that we're currently in. And I think. If the idea is like, oh, well, these are private companies, we can just start them up again, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the, the problem there is that this, th- these companies have been around for decades, for generations. Wouldn't that be amazing, huh? Just be like, oh, you failed? Don't worry. Just erase that. <laughs> oh, you failed to start a new company. We'll, we'll, we'll get you back on track, right? Um, who's going <laughs> to give you the money? Not us. <laughs> just Just go ahead and do it. Uh, yeah, right. but like I think if the expectation is that these private companies can just start up again, well, that's a wrong expectation because again, like I said, these are companies that have been around for decades, for generations, and they have training in place yeah. to make sure that these drivers are properly trained to drive your kid. Well, not your kids because you don't have any kids. Um, but yeah, like there is training set in place to drive the kids that parents are trusting those bus drivers right. with, right? And yeah, you can't yeah, just yeah. like close them down and be like, okay, let, let's start it up again. Um, and there has been a bill that has been, uh, well, that is being, I think it's kind of sitting on its ass for about two months now. Every now and then <laughs> people are like, oh, this is this is dope. And then like someone co-sponsors it. But overall, um, it was introduced in the beginning of July and it is now September 1st when we are recording this. And it really hasn't made that much wave in terms of getting stuff done because Rohit, you had mentioned like, oh, for two months, the fact that it has like 30-something co-sponsors in the Senate ain't too bad, but this is also something that is like pretty pressing and something that needs to be um, put through and passed as soon as possible. But Rohit, take us through the bill and um, what exactly it entails it's requiring and what it's stating. Uh, it's similar to the CARES Act, where it's providing uh, relief for uh, for privately owned bus companies. And the, the more specific criteria is that these companies, uh, if they don't have more than 500 employees, mm-hmm. they have not received any aid from the CARES Act. The mm-hmm. entire bill will be about, the proposed entire proposed bill will be about $10 billion. I think going through the bill, trying to figure out again why it's been taking so long, why it's been kind of sitting on its ass. It does have bipartisan support. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, trying to poke holes in it, trying to figure out uh, why this thing hasn't been going through other than politics. Because you hope, you know, you hope it's just not politics, right? But it's D.C., so sometimes it is. <laughs> but in this case, you had stated that from the bill again, um, the aid will be aimed towards transportation a provider of transportation services that on March 1st, 2020 had 500 or fewer employees and was not a subsidiary 
or controlled by another entity. Yeah. So another important thing is also that this bill isn't specifically aimed for uh, companies that you know they're just school bus companies. It's also for other kinds. Mm-hmm. So you would think of like uh, uh, inner city buses, intercity right. buses, that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. generally for that. Yeah, and and, and and it's again like it's important to know that it's for. Uh, aim for toward transportation or provider transportation services that had 500 or fewer employees, right? So it's not like right. going to these large entities that already have the resources or the minimum resources they may need. This is going to the people who ones. really need it, the services that really need it to stay afloat because as seen, they're cutting down and they're losing workers and they're losing business. So this is addressed to the Secretary of Treasury. Again, it has bipartisan support, but it's been sitting on its ass, like I've been saying multiple times. Rohit, why do you think that this thing hasn't seen as much light as it should in the past two months it was introduced? Because in my opinion, two months is a little already too slow for something as pressing as this. And I think it shouldn't be an excuse that, oh, well, that's how just that's politics and that's how it works. Well, I don't know. This might might be a bit related to politics. When one, number one, I, I feel like this isn't. It's not as well known. Like, for example, like for you and me, up until that article, both of us didn't know that. Uh, you know, there's actually privately owned school bus companies. Right. I wasn't aware of it. Right. Like just, I just, just like you weren't aware of it. Mm-hmm. So number one, it's not. Uh, it's not a very large industry right in terms of like market cap or whatever right and number two i feel like it's not that big of a concern right now i mean it's it's in the not grand that big... scheme of things from a politician's perspective right like yeah from, from a politician's politician. perspective but that's fucked up that's what i'm talking about right yeah that's what i'm saying yeah you know i'm so i'm explaining why people might not politicians might not attack on okay they're thinking well why are you trying to like provide relief for Buses. No one's going to go to, uh, you know, no one's going to go to school in person anyway. There's very few schools that are doing that, and even the ones that are doing it are already closing down because of the mm-hmm. sharp uptick in cases. So they really, oh, maybe I should, I want to avoid that flag. So instead, I'm going to try to focus on some other bill that might, you know, somewhat help me out, help me out in my career, which is obviously a terrible thing. That right, this has long-term lasting effects. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, people might not use the school bus this semester, but what about the next semester and the next year and so on and so forth? Right. It's easy to lose jobs, but it's very hard to bring bring those jobs back. Yeah, yeah. They they, they may not see a an immediate return. That's, yeah. Right, right. To summarize that, yeah, essentially. Yeah. I mean, again, in the end of the day, it does, at least in the Senate, it has about, at this point, um, 30, about 30 senators. 30, 30, okay, so I, from yesterday I thought, I thought it was 29, but about 30 co-sponsors. So right, yeah. it's making maybe ripples, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> But overall, point being, this is an industry that is currently facing um, a lot of cut down and along with, again, various industries. But I think it's important to shed light on this. Uh, I also think that what, what, what I think I'll be doing is I'll be again linking the the bill track the Senate bill tracker down below, and then yeah. 
probably on what guess what we could do through social media just post about it talk about it break it down what exactly this thing is um, where social media activism does work where it can work of course i've made my opinions on social media activism as a whole but <laughs> that's for a different time but overall yeah um overall talk to your senators contact your people um bring awareness to this there are a certain amount of people out there who really need this so go ahead and um Talk to your representatives, talk to your senators, talk to the people who can push this thing through. Yeah, and, and one one last thing I wanted to add, another reason that for the question you asked me before, is that one this should this is just one of the many industries that's being like mm-hmm. absolutely decimated by this pandemic. And when that decimation starts to occur, when people start to realize like, oh shit, like my business is gonna go down. So like, go under, there's nothing to stop it. All the Big, big industries were focused. Airlines was focused on, rest, restaurants were focused, small businesses. And so all these like smaller industries just started to get left, left, you know. Left out, right. Left out, you know. Yeah. So that's, that's another reason why this industry hasn't been focused as much as it should be. Uh, right, right. And government is not there to basically, again, tell you what to do. I am, I firmly stand by that and I think People on Correct. both sides of the party believe that too. But yeah, again, I do believe that whenever people need help and they're coming to government for some answer, I think we should be able to provide it. And that, yeah, that's, that's basically government 101. Yeah. And, You're and, there to serve people. And, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, if that's government 101, at this moment. Why is it? Exactly. Why, why is, it, is it so why? inefficient? Right? And yeah, I, and I mean, I guess this, this can lead to a completely different, a whole different can of worms. But right. To address that, like, it comes down to like, what is it that the people who make the law want? Right? Obviously, the ones that co- co-sponsored right. this, yeah. they know what they want. Mm-hmm. They know they know that, okay, there's this industry that's been ignored. You gotta help these guys out, or else mm-hmm. other people are gonna suffer from. Well, you know? you'd hope that that's where their their minds at, right? Of course, like like you don't want to be yeah. cynical and be like or pessimistic and think that all politicians are bad, right? Obviously, but yeah. you'd hope that that was the mindset, or that was the mindset, or the reason behind um, co-sponsoring something like this. Yeah, and but if if you don't have a purpose, like what what is it that you're trying to do? Mm-hmm. And you're just going there to see, like, oh, well, this bill might add on to my portfolio, and nothing's right. going to happen. If everyone's going in, like, five different, like, hundred different directions, mm-hmm. yeah, nothing's going to pass. Well, um, again, we could go on and on, but what I'm going <laughs> to do is I'm, again, going to link this bill in the description of the YouTube channel down below, and I'm going to be also linking other relief um, or forms of relief like this in the description. Yeah. So if y'all could go check it out, that'd be awesome. Show your support, call your senators, call your representatives, do whatever you can. That that go a long way. But my my next guest or my coming guest is my friend Nathaniel Jock, which by the way, Rohit, it was a it was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> let's let's get to it. Here 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 is my my pal Nathaniel. It's been a while since we actually like saw each other like we've texted the past couple of years but the last time i saw you and i can actually date this back was about three and a half years ago when we took the act 
Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a long time ago. <laughs> it's been a time. It's been a while. But I think it is fair to say that we have known each other for actually quite some time, ever since we were kids. Yeah, man, that goes back to like pre-junior high, huh? Pre-junior, third grade. Yeah, third. Yeah. We were, we were third grade buddies, and we were also Star Wars buddies. There you So, go. Yeah, original Clone Wars. yeah, I, I totally. <laughs> Like I'm okay with that title, like OG's Clone Wars fans. Absolutely, Um, but how are things going? How's your, how's your summer been? What's up? man. Things have been, you know, crazy and calm all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, a whole lot of nothing's been going on, but it's been weird. <laughs> it feels weird. Yeah, Yeah, man. for sure. Um, yeah, it feels like summer. I guess pretty much started last March, where this. <laughs> This previous March is what it seems right. like. Um, yeah, it's been a time, Yeah, I, definitely. I, I've been, I've been saying the same thing to a lot of my friends also that like. Summer feels long because technically it started before, some like when summer was actually supposed to begin, Yeah, absolutely. like. It was like, it was early, early March, right? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and that's like, that's insane, and I think, a lot of people can speak to this, but this year has felt like. two, three years compressed into one, and we're still in August. Yeah, we're, yeah, it's so weird because it's like we're still in August, but at the same time, it's like, geez, man, we're almost done with the year. <laughs> like, Yeah, November's there's, coming up. yeah, Uh, there's that. There's definitely that. Like, you think things are going by fast, or you think things are going by slow, but then you look at back at the things that happened, and you're like, oh, wait, like, things might be actually, like, taking their time. Like, a lot has gone down. yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's so weird for me because, um, like, I was thinking about this before we started talking. It's like, I can't even remember exactly what I was doing. For this previous semester the one uh before this fall semester Mm -hmm. like i i had to think about what classes i was taking it's like man that feels for like forever ago you know yeah yeah so i i mean people say like oh it feels like a different time and i think it was a different time <laughs> like yeah man absolutely it was definitely a different time like the last time it was i can remember like the last i think true free outing i had with my friends was back in the beginning of march a week before spring break we were like carrying a loaf of bread with us around campus don't ask why uh, but like that's how free we are like we were and now it's like it's come down to like we're just confined in a space but i know that you had recently gone on a trip on a road trip Yeah, um man. how did that go Ah, it went it went pretty well. I'm going to take you back a little bit further. Um mm-hmm so I'm going to take you back to like January. okay So in January, uh before the school year got started, like end of December, early January, I'd gone on a rock climbing trip and went up to Colorado, right? Nice. And so that, that was starting off my year, it was great. It was a great time, it was cold. Mm hmm Uh, we were camping, it was getting down to 10 degrees at night. Uh, Wow. <laughs> yeah, man, it was, it was a good time though. And then, Uh-huh. um, you know, school year started and it was kind of going and then it was like spring break came along. So for my spring break, I had I planned this trip to go out to Utah. Yeah. And I was going out to Moab and an area called Joe's Valley to go uh, go off-roading and go rock climbing, right? Mm hmm Um, I was supposed to have some people go with me. They all It all kind of fell out. So my dad just came with me. Um, and we drove up to Moab, Utah. And the day that we got there, I was supposed to be doing some investing stuff. I was supposed to get a phone call from uh, our financial accountant. And she was supposed to be helping me invest in some things. I never got the phone call. 
And so we're on vacation. We're not really keeping up with anything. Well, that was the day that the stock market all crashed. Wow. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Because um, yeah, <laughs> like with everything else going on, so the stock market all crashed and we we're like, man, that's crazy. And then we're on this trip and like, you know, we're, I'm doing my thing. And um, at night we turn on the news in the hotel and that's when uh, basketball teams started, mm. uh, you know, canceling games right. and then colleges started closing campuses. And, you know, we're out. Uh, at this point, we were in uh, Orangeville, Utah, I want to say it was. Mm -hmm. And it's like a population of 500, right? So it's like, we weren't really feeling the effects. And we were like, how, you know, how serious is this? And it, um, when we got back, I got back and I was supposed to go to work the next day and work called me and they're like, hey, you know, we're going to close for two weeks. Wow. Like, oh, okay. Right. And that was sort of the start of it all for me, man. And so I started it with this trip out to Utah. And then I came back and it was all, you know, it was, started with that two weeks to flatten the curve and then it stretched mm. and stretched. Um, so yeah, that, that was crazy, but, um, finished up school. And then over the summer, lots of, lots of sitting at home, lots of lockdown, right. um, trying to, to kind of get a routine going. And then, yeah, this road trip you're talking about recently, I went, uh, end of July, early August. And I went to go see a, a good friend of mine who used to be in Katy and he moved up to Utah for a job. So uh, I trekked it. I went from Texas uh, up through Oklahoma and Colorado and then west over to Salt Lake City. And man, I stayed there. And so that road trip going up was great. It went super smooth. Nothing really went wrong. Um, but we were hanging out and it was a, it was a big climbing trip. So that's wow. like, that's yeah. my thing now. I yeah. rock climb a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I work at a climbing gym. But yeah, so I mean, like we're hanging out and it was a good time, man. Uh, we when I got there, we planned it all out. We kind of had a whole schedule set up, and then uh, nothing went according to plan. <laughs> uh, I mean, those are but, those are always yeah. the best trips. Those are the best trips. Absolutely, but it all worked out. Um, yeah, so like the first day I was there, just kind of hung out a little bit, and then we went up to we were in uh, the Uintas, it's a mountain range, okay. um, a little bit east of Salt Lake, and we were climbing mm -hmm. out there, uh, and that was when everything kind of started to happen. Uh, my car, I don't know if you saw or heard anything about that. I had some issues with my car on the trip. Oh no, uh, Wait, what happened? Yeah, man. So driving driving through Utah, um, for those of you guys who don't know, there's a things called hills and mountains there, which we don't really have in Texas, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, we were driving and my car would start to overheat. And so we're supposed to be going out to this mountain range to meet up uh, with some of this guy's coworkers to go camp and climb, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, my car started to overheat. We take it to this shop and they're like, oh man, like your engines, they, they literally popped my hood open, looked at it and they're like, oh, your engine's shot. You need, you basically need a new engine is what they were telling me. Oh my God. Yeah. And he's like, take it to my brother's shop down the street. He'll do this all for $5,000. Okay. I'm like, that's a little, that's a little fishy. I was like, you know, yeah. you guys haven't, you haven't looked at anything. You just like opened my hood and told me my engine's shot. So I take it to another shop and, um, they give me their opinion. They're like, no, nothing's wrong. You just, my car's lifted on big tires. They're like, you know, it's probably just working harder to get up these hills. Right. Right. Um, so we're going, we're going. And then, um, go on this trip. We're camping out in the mountains. Everything was fine. We go back. It was a good time. Uh, we just hung out a lot, but, uh, so I, I plan to spend two and a half weeks out there. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't want to do the drive back by myself. So yeah. what we decided to do was, uh, I spent a week in Salt Lake and then the next week we were going to make a road trip back to Houston. Mm -hmm. Right. So we were going to spread it out. So we leave Salt Lake in my car. I'd been in Salt Lake for about a week uh, and we're driving through Wyoming. Um, mm -hmm. 
And so I guess a little detail that I missed on my way up to Colorado or on my way up to Utah, I had to stop in Colorado to get an oil change. Um, just pretty standard, right? Right. I was due for right. an oil change. I thought it wouldn't mm-hmm. be a big deal. Well, so we're driving through Wyoming. We're on I-80. We're heading towards uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And we're at mile marker 239. And my car just throws every single light on the dashboard, goes up, pull over oh, yeah. to the side of the road. And it's like, my car doesn't want to start, doesn't want to go. And I'm like, oh, shoot. So we're in the middle of I-80. Uh, and like, to give you perspective, there's just nothing out there. There's, yeah like not a building in sight mm-hmm. there's a fence that's about it that's barely, just just yeah. a, fence. Just, just a yeah, single man. fence just <laughs> not even like a laid out just a long fence just a piece of a fence that was it that was ground. really it man <laughs> so um and we were we got lucky because uh like a mile back we had zero service right and mm-hmm. so when my car died i had a one bar of 3g was all i had which i don't know the last time you ever had 3g on your phone man. yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah so I mean, it was just enough for me to get a call out to my insurance company. Um, and they, I mean, they were no help because they were supposed to get a tow truck out to me. And the lady's like, where are you guys? You no, know, and we're like, we're at uh, mile marker 239 headed eastbound on I-80. Mm-hmm. And the lady says, well, where's that? And I was like, right. it's mile marker 239 <laughs> eastbound on I-8. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. She's like, well, are there any distinguishing features around you? I'm like, there's a fence. <laughs> there's a fence and a mile marker, right? <laughs> like, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, yeah, man. So it was, I mean, it was stressful, but uh, we ended up uh, a state trooper, a Wyoming state trooper pulled up to us and kind mm-hmm. of helped us out a little bit. And we were able to get a call out to a tow company in Laramie, uh, Wyoming. And so it ended up being like a three and a half hour wait for this tow truck. And then we were sitting on the side of the road. Wow. And, you know, and like a big theme of this trip became uh, the, the phrase, all things considered, you know, it's like mm. all things considered, we had food, we had water. Like it wasn't too bad. It was like a cool 80 degrees. It was 80 degrees with a breeze. So right, because you're in Wyoming. It's not like you're in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, man, we're sitting there and it's like, well, what do you do for three and a half hours mm-hmm. with no signal sitting? And I had a slingshot in the back of the car, so we got some cans out, set them up on this fence post, and shot cans, man. That's dope. That's like a <laughs> see. That's a coming of age movie right there. Like someone just needs to interview you and direct that film right now. Dude, yeah, it was it was crazy. It but was in the time. moment, were you like? oh my gosh, things like keep, keep on going wrong, right? Or was it just like, you know what, this is part of the journey? Yeah, man, it was um, it, it was definitely really dependent on the person I was with. Uh, I was with my friend Joey, and like, if I wasn't with him, my, my mindset would have been different. But like, with him, it was like, man, this is going to be a story. Right now, right? Is this, this a been... Joey? I think this is a Joey we both know, right? Yeah, yeah, we went to high school with him for Right, I haven't talked to him in a while. But I, yeah, I, I remember having some, some good memories absolutely yeah he's yeah. doing pretty well but um yeah and so like this you know if i if i'd been by myself if i'd been with like uh you know my mom or dad or any like any of my other friends i think i probably would have been more stressed but you know mm. like the car breaks down the first thing he does is he starts laughing and he's just laughing out loud is it, man. Is it the same joey laugh <laughs> yeah the <laughs> same joey laugh the same joey laugh. and he's just laughing out loud and he's like oh well, i guess we're doing this and so you know and mm-hmm. like yeah, dude, and we just, you know, we took everything in stride, and, and so, and, like, there had been some stuff earlier on in the trip, too, where, like, you know, like, uh, I, I injured myself a little bit, but it wasn't that bad, and, you know, I still was able to climb and everything, we were, like, you know, all things considered, not yeah. too bad, right? All things we're considered, on... you're, you're still alive, and you're breathing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we're sitting on the side of the road, and it's, like, you know, all things considered, we got a tow truck coming our way, so it wasn't that bad, um, 
what hurt though was uh we got it towed to laramie and they looked it over and so the tow was like 430 dollars mm. which was that's i mean that's a chunk of money right there yeah. and then the repair was like 375 uh so boom there's another chunk of money so that yeah. hurt a little bit um but we ended up i don't know if you've ever been to laramie if you've ever thought about going to laramie no no yeah. I've, <laughs> think, I've been to wyoming colorado but i've never been to laramie there you go yeah i think it's uh the university of wyoming's out there and so we we got towed to this shop it was a gm dealership i drive a jeep mm. um we took it to like a Chevy Is it dealership that, uh, i think that it's the black jeep i've seen on your instagram yeah yeah right? that, yeah yeah that dark gray one um and so and i was able to get in touch with my mom she booked us a hotel um but so like we're in laramie wyoming and honestly out of everywhere we could have been it was probably the place to be because we could just walk anywhere uh since we didn't have a car mm -hmm. right so we got our hotel room and then like we're like okay and we threw our mask on and we start walking down the street man and we just we're just like let's just yeah. check it out let's check the town out um it's a really neat college town uh not like too much going on but for the mm. we were there for like a day and a half and the day and a half we were there was definitely like you know out of all the places it wasn't too bad to be there um that sounds yeah, great. I mean, <laughs> like, like, okay, the situ the situations you are in does not sound great, but like, I think the adventure aspect of it, um, and what you were describing, sounds very spontaneous and, um, definitely makes for an interesting, I think, journey and story. Um, I'm I'm wondering if that was a good way of letting off steam based off this crazy year and just like getting away from this confined space that we've been yeah, in like how sure. did that help you clear your mind man so that was huge um so joey like i said joey lived in katie for a while and uh, we reconnected uh this last year like right around this time last year mm -hmm. uh and you know he reached out to me and he's like hey man what do you do for fun i was like a rock climb like that's it. it's not you know it's not anything special and he's like oh cool i want to do it so we started climbing together mm -hmm. and I'd like to think he really loved it because he's still doing it. So, okay, right. um, yeah. And so he was my climbing partner for a long time. And then in, uh, mm -hmm. in December, he got this job offer, um, this job opportunity popped up and he went and took it in Utah. Right. And so mm -hmm. it was like, I mean, I literally saw him almost every day and then he went off to Utah. And then after that, like, um, you know, I'm going to Lone Star Community College right now. So mm -hmm. I didn't go off to any large university. A lot of people left Katie and I didn't really have like anyone I was super close with in Katie. Um, I've got my girlfriend, like we'd hang out, but then outside of that, like if she was busy, there wasn't mm -hmm. much for me to do. Right. Uh, and then you, you know, you t add on the lockdown to that, Yeah. And, you know, you're stuck inside and it's like, it's like, what do you do, man? It's like, mm -hmm. you know, so there's, you know, lots of Netflix, uh, lots of like odd sleep schedules. You know, I was going to bed at like four in the morning, waking up at like noon or something, Yeah. <laughs> all sorts of messed up, um, going on walks and stuff. And it was just getting to me, but like, from uh, even back in December, Joey and I had planned this trip, actually. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll come out towards August and, you know, check it out. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, COVID definitely, like, put a kink in that plan because we weren't sure if I'd be able to travel at all. Right. Um, and so, like, a huge thing for me traveling was, uh, you know, one, I didn't want to fly on a plane because uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to risk that. Mm -hmm. And then, two, like, I wanted my trip to be able to, I wanted to be able to kind of be, like, self-contained on this trip um just you know doing my due diligence not to spread it anywhere so like you know i wearing my mask everywhere yeah. not getting close to people you know mm -hmm. like going through drive-thrus instead of sitting down in restaurants stuff like that um but yeah i mean so like once i was able to get to salt lake and you know i got into joey's apartment 
and like it's like okay you know everything is off my mind now yeah. right and like i was getting work emails while i was there and it's like i'm i'm on vacation i'm ignoring mm -hmm. this i was mm -hmm. getting like school stuff i'm like i'm ignoring this and it was just great it's like two and a half weeks where uh you know nothing else mattered besides what i was doing you were in a and different then, world you absolutely yeah, yeah I, I totally removed myself from mm -hmm. this uh you know this place that i had been you know katie texas stuck in lockdown at home with my parents uh to being you know just just on my own again nothing like i said nothing else really felt like it mattered mm -hmm. and we weren't like interacting with other people either so it just really felt like i mean when you're in the mountains and like there's no one else around you you know you're on a or on a wall you're climbing something like it's you and it's the person who you're climbing with right and then other than yeah. that like nothing else is really there um so it's great it was this huge escape uh and then you know i think there's something to be said too about like uh like with with this stuff with my car happening i think um i was probably able to cope with it a little bit better because like in the grand scheme of things like if you look at the scope of the problem mm -hmm. compared to everything else that's been going on in the world it's like yeah this is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's a change of pace you know right, it's just a different right. problem it's not that big mm -hmm. um yeah man so it was huge to kind of like uh you know get a change of pace get a change of scenery be able yeah. to go outside again because like you can go outside and katie you can walk around but like you can't be active in a sense like short of running which i hate running uh, mm -hmm. there's not much else for you to be doing there yeah. Um, so yeah being able to be back outside was great I uh, I think I can connect with that a little bit um, and of course at this moment I can't travel to any um, yeah. country but whenever I would go to India it would feel like I was in a different place I mean it obviously was <laughs> but I was so disconnected from the world and um, we didn't really have like a cellular plan because we didn't want to drop mm -hmm. like a load of money. Like, why do that? So we were like genuinely, most of us at least, other than at least my parents who needed to be connected for work, uh, were disconnected. And because of, you know, feeling disconnected, you do feel like, again, you're in a different world. You're not just physically in a different place, but you're mentally in a different place. Absolutely. And I think it's important for people to realize like, what that exactly means because like you had said you can just walk outside get in fresh air but it's still the same same area it's still yeah. the same situation and um right now like literally i'm looking out to this beautiful view i have from my apartment hills and um these uh different apartments and it it's very it's a very quiet scene like although i'm in the middle of the city i'm the, like right by campus based on where I think things are situated or where at least the position of my windows are situated, like it, it yeah. still contributes to that feeling of escape and being a person who um, posts vlogs, who post a lot of the things that go on in my life through a digital medium for everybody to watch or listen to, this for the first time feels like I'm still in an escape and things are quiet right now and I don't mind that like I really yeah. like do like the quietness of it I think the quietness and the situation that we've been forced into has made us realize the small things in life as cliche as that sounds yeah but it makes us realize the small things and how important those small things are to us and how much we take advantage of it whenever um things may be seemingly normal absolutely 
yeah and you know it kind of makes you wonder too like i don't know i, I personally for myself um i agree with the I, I share that sentiment with like you know a lot of things that i took for granted like just being able to go out to the movies or something like mm -hmm. that right like it's like okay i missed that but now i'm also way more appreciative of like taking my dog on a walk right yeah and so it's like kind of changed how i value things and like i don't know i hope i hope that people are able to still hold on to that uh even if if slash when things go back to normal you know mm -hmm. like whatever that new normal may be um i think people are really quick to fall back into old habits or you know like old patterns which is totally okay but i think it's huge to be able to take you know take something away from this experience you know this right these like eight months we've spent or six months or however long it's been locked down mm -hmm. uh, not take that for granted and learn something from that yeah and how did you then react to the pandemic when it began taking its toll in the u.s and you could see somewhat of its effect like how did that affect you yeah, man. So when it started, you know, um, like I said, I was I was on that trip. Mm -hmm. And so I'm talking about like feeling like you're in a different different world almost. Right. Right. Um, and maybe even like a different time. Like the, the best thing I can equate it to is like back to the future. Like I got in a car, I went on a drive and I ended up, you know, right. transported to this different place where, you know, nothing mattered. I didn't have cell phone signal like mm -hmm. like I occasionally would turn on the news, but everything felt so distant. Right. So it was actually um and I don't know if it, if, if it was exasperated by this, but it was a pretty big uh, shock coming back to Katie and being like, oh, this is real. Right. You know, like my job is shut down. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, this again, COVID-19, the pandemic is one of those. Um, it's one of those issues where the things aren't or the, the uh, effects of it aren't necessarily visual or firsthand like right in yeah. front of you unless of course you go to a hospital and seeing what effect it's taking in those medical institutions but it's like when, whenever i was um running the combat corona initiative and we were raising money for medical institutions that didn't have the equipment they needed the difference between that initiative and the houston strong initiative for hurricane harvey was that hurricane harvey was very much visual it was right in like we could see it right in our backyard. Yeah. And this is an issue that necessarily is not visual again if you unless you travel to certain places and see the effect it's taking. Um, Absolutely. So was it like you like coming back to Katie and realizing like even though this is a problem that again could exist in where you were before, was it you coming back to Katie and realizing like, oh, so this thing is real because you saw the direct effects it was having on your life and your lifestyle? Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a really good way to, uh, you know, put it is like, it, you know, at that point, it directly impacted me mm -hmm. and like, and you know, not, not to the extent that I was sick, not that I lost anyone, right. But it's like, you know, when, when your job shuts down, and, you know, it's not just like, it wasn't just like a small business, my, my company operates in three different states, right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like, uh, this, you know, as a corporate office, they've made this decision to shut down. Um, yeah. And you know that they don't, you know, that's not something a company does lightly. Mm -hmm. right just not running an operation for one day you're losing millions of dollars right let yeah. alone shutting it down for two weeks which is what mm -hmm. they planned on at the time right which is what yeah. they told and so i was like man like two weeks that's that's huge and so um yeah i mean coming back to see that because like when when i was in uh joe's valley in orangeville utah like like i said it was a population of like 500 mm -hmm. and there aren't many people in or out and there's like so 
you just and i didn't you know i don't know anybody there so i didn't see it yeah. while i was there mm -hmm. uh, so yeah you make a very good point you know like it wasn't something directly impacting me and also i think that um the the numbers hadn't quite completely come out yet mm -hmm. like there was still speculation at that point um i think i was coming back right about when uh when trump was trying to shut down travel from china right mm -hmm. and so i think i think at that point it was interesting to me uh because what i feel like i've noticed is like you know initially it felt like trump took this hardline stance on it right like oh we're gonna shut this down yeah there's some opposition to that but now it feels like it's flipped mm. you know and now it feels like <laughs> the the stances have flipped on it yeah um so yeah because like you know so from what i remember trump was trying to shut down travel to china and it's like you know some people were like you know obviously uh, rightfully mm -hmm. so he's calling it the china virus definitely seems a little bit bigoted uh and for people sure like you know oh he's just doing this because he doesn't like china whatever right yeah. and i don't really have an opinion on that uh, i'm not well informed enough to have an opinion but then you know whenever the numbers kept coming out it's like oh this is getting more serious you know that's when it kind of like really hit me too and mm -hmm. that was when i got back to katie and i started to see that um because yeah so like i said when i you know when i was in utah and i'm just seeing like oh Trump is shutting down travel. It's like, how, you know, I didn't know how serious to take that, right? I didn't yeah. know, you know, was this an overreach? Was this overreaction? Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, you start to see those cases increase. You start to see those numbers go up. Uh, you, you see your work shut down. It's like, oh, this is, this is real. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that's interesting, though, is um, I think the, it was the increments that they kind of like increased the lockdown and how it started at two weeks and then it went to one month mm -hmm. and then it went longer, right? Two months, right. Um, I don't know, I don't necessarily think that was uh, intentional, but I think that was a really interesting, it had an interesting effect of kind of desensitizing you to the next, you know, the next phase of your lockdown, right? Because yeah. after that two weeks, you know, they're like, oh, it's gonna be a little bit longer. And you're like, oh man, right? But okay, you know, a little bit longer. Yeah. And then it, it lengthens and lengthens, rightfully so. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, it started to like not become, you know, it became normalized almost to me at least, right? Right, um, right. and. I think there there's no way to fully a hundred percent percent prevent this right like you can yeah, try your best but i do believe that the institutions and administrations within the u.s did not try their best um yeah. at least in getting the message out because if the like the fact that Trump said we need to wear masks like this late in the game, um, if he <laughs> if he would have said that earlier on, and, and the fact that we are seeing now a decrease in cases, like, of course it goes to show that it works. We knew it works, right? Yeah. Like, but if it, if this would have been a thing like, hey, wear your mask, like, just to help your neighbor, just to help mm -hmm. your friend, just to help your elders, like, if 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 the message was framed like that, for sure we would have been in a a better situation of course would cases be at zero no but i do believe we could have at least tried our best and we wouldn't be in the situation we are in now five months later yeah for sure yeah and, and again like you know i'm not i'm definitely not as like abreast on the issue as you are like as up to date on it as you are but like i think there definitely is something to be said about you know uh the steps that were and were not taken and then kind of how it was presented too, right? Like you said, if, if this would have been presented as, you know, wear your mask to help your to help your neighbor, I think that would have been huge. And um, I think it's interesting how it's almost become like a bipartisan issue as well. You know, like how, how has this become political? You know, like you'd think yeah. that stopping a virus would be, 
a, a human issue, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it. I, I don't want to say I saw it coming, but like I, like my yeah. thing is, look, we are so politically divided, and not just I think more than just the people. I think it's our federal government because yeah. I was discussing this in the previous podcast. Is that the people I've talked to who work in DC, they see this thing as a game and they see all of this, or at least a lot of them working in DC as, okay, we got to score political points and how are we going to do this? And the minute you turn a human issue into a partisan issue, that's the problem. That's where yeah. I think things are going wrong. And the minute, I mean, I, the minute, like, I, I think, I do think it is patriotic to take care of your fellow Americans. I do mm-hmm. believe that. I think that's a sign of patriotism. And I'm not going to be, I'm not, again, I'm not justifying this, but like you had said earlier, it was two weeks, then it was a month, then it was two months. The fact that some people did their job, they stayed inside, they self-quarantined, and then they see others not doing it and the cases are still, in, get, are still getting as bad, they want a social life. And I'm not, I'm not justifying them going out. I'm just saying that, like, I, I kind of get it that there's a frustration that people did do their job, others didn't, there wasn't a solid message, and things were still getting worse when that didn't have to be the case. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, I, I am still cautiously optimistic for a vaccine by the end of the year based on what's being stated, but I think, like you had said, um, it's important to acknowledge what the new normal is, um, even though we've been kind of in for five months. But were there any setbacks that you faced within the COVID-19 climate, any difficulties, and how did you face them? Yeah, man. So so off the bat, uh, last November, so November 2019, I moved back in with my parents. I'd been living like from literally like less than a month after I graduated, I'd moved out. Um, I was on my own and I, I still had a good relationship with my parents and they still helped me out financially with stuff. But like I was, you know, I was getting my apartment um, and I lived away from them for a while, uh, but I ended up moving back in to save some money. Right. And it was like, you know, I'm still, you know, I'm still in school. I'm working like a borderline minimum wage job. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've got to be able to save some money somehow. Yeah. Uh, and so I'd moved back in and that was, uh, that was probably a huge help. Like definitely, uh, if if I'd been in an apartment uh, when this happened, it would have been even bigger of a problem for me financially. But when my job shut down, it was very um, it was very concerning at first to me because uh, you know it's like okay, two weeks without pay I can do. And it's like mm-hmm. okay, a month without pay, like that's you know that's getting kind of rough. Yeah. Um, and so you know, money was definitely like it was it was a little bit concerning for me. And so I filed for unemployment, gotten unemployment, and then. Um, they also gave that they were given a $600 a week add-on to your unemployment, which was a, a huge help for me personally, and I'm sure it was for other people too, mm-hmm. um, because that's more than I would have made even working. What was interesting to me was uh, pretty quickly, and when I say pretty quickly, I mean about a month after the unemployment, that $600 bonus was added on, a second round of paycheck protection plans went out to companies, mm-hmm. and more companies qualified for it. And so my company was one of them that qualified for it and they brought you back into work. Well, what happened on that paycheck protection plan was they, um, they said, okay, we'll pay you uh, at least for X amount of hours at whatever your 
dollar rate was, right? Right. Which sounds good, but like I work in a rock climbing gym. You know, if you want to talk about communicable diseases, where are you going to get that, right? Mm -hmm. It's like everybody's sweating. You're chalking your hands up. You're putting chalk on your hands and you're brushing them, you know, chalking in the air. And that's definitely, I mean, not... I don't know. I'm assuming it's going to be carrying, you know, germs, particles, viruses, right? Not the ideal environment. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have the issue of like, who are these people that want to come back to the gym at that point in time? It was a lot of people who, you know, maybe felt a certain way about the virus. uh, And, you know, some of them didn't want to wear their mask in the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. Because that was one of the standards we had was, Hey, you guys have to wear a mask. But so kind of going back a little bit, backtracking. So I was getting like, 700 and something dollars a week uh, on unemployment, right? And that made me feel better. I was like, okay, I'll be all set. Mm-hmm. And then work goes back and it's like, okay, well now I'm gonna be getting like $300 a week, which is, you know, not as good, but you know, obviously like I'm going back to work, that feels good, but now I'm putting myself at risk. And I have grandparents and I have parents as well who, you know, are considerably more at risk than myself, mm-hmm. right? And so a big fear for me is bringing that back to them um, and, you know, at $300, you know, like, I, I hate to like put a dollar amount on it, but like $300 definitely isn't that dollar amount. So it was, uh, it's kind of frustrating having to go back to work, um, yeah. especially so early on. Um, and then also like just having that, that rate lowered on you. So, I mean, that was a little bit of a stress. And then again, just dealing with people, man, like mm-hmm. you'd have people who come into the gym and, you know, you tell them, Hey man, I need you to put a mask on. And they say, Oh, I'm, you know, I don't believe in that BS. Like, I don't believe in COVID. I'm like, okay, I, I completely understand that. That's absolutely fine. However, as a company, our policy is you have to wear a mask, right? Not to mention like Texas or the governor's policy at that point, right? Or right. Um, aside from that, as a private company, we're asking you to wear a mask while you're in the building. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you try to explain that to people and then they'd want to fight with you. And there were, there's at least one instance where we ended up calling um, the cops on this person because they didn't want to put a mask on. And they're like, oh, so you're going to call the cops on me because I'm not wearing a mask. And it's like, no we're calling the cops on you because you're trespassing at this point because as a private company, we've told you to be in our building. You need to yeah. wear a mask. Right. Yeah. And you're not doing that. So at this point you're trespassing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, it, that that's stressful dealing with people mm-hmm. because again, I feel like uh, political opinions aside or, you know, or what you believe about the virus aside, you know, as a private company, this was our policy. We're mm-hmm. asking you to follow that. If you don't want to follow that, you know, you can find somewhere else to go. Right. right? And that's basically it. Um, Cause you know, we have staff members who, you know, don't like the mask, but we wear them because, you know, mm-hmm. it, you bear some personal responsibility, whether you believe in like the virus is serious or not, you know, in my opinion, for me, if I'm wearing a mask and I wear it for the next three years and it comes out, that mask didn't do anything. What did I lose? Right. Like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I, that, I didn't lose true. anything. You know, it was a little bit harder for me to breathe while I'm rock climbing. Like, okay, I'm, I'm getting strong. My lungs are getting stronger, right? Like I'm, I'm not losing anything from wearing that mask. And so I think that was, uh, that was frustrating too. It's just dealing with people who like, you know, um, and again, I, I completely get the sentiment of like, not, not necessarily trusting what you're being fed through the news or through the media. That's okay. You don't have to trust what the media tells you, but you know, I think that there needs to be some basic human decency and like some respect whenever you go into establishments or whenever you're around people like comments that would be made were like, oh, you know, you're discriminating against me. It's like, no, there's no, there's no discrimination. In fact, it's like quite the opposite. We're asking everyone to wear a mask, mm. right? I'm not asking, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not asking you because I don't like your hair or something, right? right. It's like, everybody's being asked to wear a mask, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, like other things are, oh, you know, I'm being oppressed. And it's like, 
what what rights are being oppressed right now you know i'm not taking away your right to freedom of speech you know if you want to talk about freedom of expression like you know I, i'm just asking i'm asking you to wear a mask right yeah it's like, no like shoes, it doesn't no it's shirt. not that deep yeah yeah it's like again like it's like no shoes no shirt no service right like yeah. um it's i think it's just that because this was made a partisan issue again that their messaging was just off from the beginning it has led to i think people feeling the right to do this and at the end yeah. of the day the worker the employee is very much the messenger of the um of the rules that are being placed within that institution like absolutely you're not the one creating that rule right yeah. you're just there to enforce it Mm-hmm. So that's what my point is getting from. Like, I just don't get what satisfaction maybe you get from just starting that argument. Um, like, it's this this whole thing. I think has been been difficult on people in a different way, um, and I think what's important is to just not use. I think blind positivity to drive this thing forward as yeah. in like i was in two classes yesterday both classes were like we have to stay positive because that's what that's just what we got to do right and my issue is that with, with at least with that is that you're i think dismissing the the problems that are happening in individual students and people's lives and yeah. the things that they're facing as family members as employees and as students and what i mean at the end of the day instructors aren't there to of course coddle you but i think it is it is important whether you're a classmate or you're in a work environment at this point especially to get a check in on how everyone's doing just to see where their head's at and what exactly is going on in their lives because from what I've seen and the people I know and some of my friends getting COVID and uh, losing a extended family member, um, not directly to COVID-19, but to issues um, as in there were certain things he wasn't able to get access to something because yeah. of the COVID-19 situation in India, uh, losing an extended family member because of that, it's hard. And one thing I've learned from these past five months watching the way we functioned and the way people have faced this is that to those who have lost family members and to those who have faced hardships in on in um, employment and unemployment they're resilient people and they're strong people and if anything i don't think there is any advantage in you i guess beating on those people because you don't know what's going on in their lives. You, this is this is difficult for everybody. Um, so, if anything, I think it's important. There's one quality that's important at this moment out of any of them. It's empathy. Absolutely. I, I know we had discussed, you know, like settling into your environment. But I, I know for me, going back from Austin, a bustling city, a great city, and then, um, you know, kind of coming back home to where, like, you could kind of... Re- acknowledge like recognize as your past or like attach it to as your past um how was it for you at least coming back home was it like oh man i'm coming home or was this more of an opportunity to like 
uh, I guess, settling environment, settling with your uh, family life. Yeah. Uh, are you referring to moving out of the apartment? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was definitely, um, it was tough. It's going to be one because I went from, you know, feeling like somewhat independent, you know, I'm, I'm in an apartment, I'm doing my own mm -hmm. thing. You know, you got your own set of keys, you have your own address, right. Right. Uh, to now I'm, I'm back home. Right. And so, you know, there are definitely like some adjustments, some struggles moving back in mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, I'm moving in with this mindset of, you know, I'm, I'm a college student, you know, yeah. I, I, I've got my own things I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And then my parents are, uh, to some extent what it felt like to me whenever i moved back in it, it kind of felt like they were like oh our kids back home yep, right yeah but yeah. but like then the issue with that is the mm -hmm. the kid part right mm -hmm. and you know it's like that's where there are going to be some differences or that's where they were for me at least was like you know um and i mean nothing crazy but like mm -hmm. I'd, I'd go out and you know I'd, I'd just be somewhere my mom's like where are you you know and, and not necessarily because she's like oh you can't be there but she wants to know where i am you know right. it's like you, you know, I tell her, but then it'd be like 30 minutes later, you know, like, where are you? Right. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but so, you know, like the, your parents being parents, which right. I mean, they should be. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm grateful for that. But at the same time, it's like, man, it's like, guys, I'm, I'm 20, you know, I'm 20 years old at the time. It's like, I'm 21 now. So it's yeah. like, you know, <laughs> it's like, I, I'm okay. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's definitely some adjusting to that. Uh, right. Mm -hmm. Which, um, you know, I'd be lying if I said that I was fully independent, you know, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I'm an adult, right? Because I mean, technically you, know, you are, right? But I, like, te but like I your am, parents, right? I think, always have, like, like my parents, look like, I think parents in general kind of have a difficult time, I think, acknowledging that, because at the end of the day, like, you're, you know, you're their child. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, like, for me, at least, you know, again, they still they still back me financially. Uh, mm -hmm. And and not even, like, minimally, but they, they help pay for my classes. They help pay for my books, right? Uh, they help me with my car payments. So they still back me financially. So I do, you know, it's like, I'm not... So like, yeah, age wise, I'm an adult, but you know, I'm not like completely independent from them. So, you know, um, mm -hmm. is, and, and, you know, that's part of why I moved back in was like finances that way I could, you know, in a sense be, uh, you know, I guess I'm relying on them more in a different way because they're giving me shelter. They're giving me food, right. I can go in the pantry, grab whatever I want, but it gives yeah. me a little bit more money. That way I can also go out and, you know, it's like, okay, now I'm paying for more of my own stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, you know, until I, you know, finish up with my degree and I can go get a job, right, mm -hmm. move out. Um, so, yeah, there, it was, it was kind of like twofold to answer your question. There's that feeling of like, yeah, you know, I'm going, I'm going back home. Yeah, right. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of like familiarity. I, I went back to a lot of like, you know, my routines of what I did in high school, you know, like wake up in the morning, come home, play video games, mm -hmm. do whatever. Right. But at the same time, there's also that, um, you know, it was that opportunity of, okay, you know, I'm going to save a little bit of money now. Um, and you know, it took, uh, for me to kind of make that decision because what happened was, you know, November, my lease was up and instead of like renewing it or changing it, um, I had a, I have a friend of mine, an uh, old coworker, I'd consider him a mentor too. And he was like, he was telling me about his dad. who's a, a very successful businessman. Right. And to give you perspective, this guy's 38, his dad's in his seventies. Right. So like mm -hmm. older gentleman, he's like, yeah, he's like my, my dad lived with his parents until he was 28 and had his master's degree, you know, and yeah. he saved his money. It's like, there's no shame in it mm -hmm. because that's kind of what I felt, you know, like uh, when, when you kind of, and this might be a personal thing for me, but like when I'm accepting that help or that handout, what it feels like, you know, it's like, man, you know, I feel like I'm regressing in a sense. Um, but that really helped to shift my mindset to, you know, this isn't yeah. like, I'm not taking steps back, you know, I'm just taking steps in a different direction. I'm taking, you know, if anything, steps forward to help me 
uh, in the future as well. Because uh, for, for my apartment rent, man, it was like, you're spending almost $500 a month minimum with roommates, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, let alone if, um, if you lose a roommate or if you go down, you know, change to a larger apartment or something. And so, you know, $500 a month or more, depending on where you're living too, because um, originally I lived on North Gessner Road. Um, so mm. north of I-10, north of the, right, yeah. uh, the Galleria, right? Not, mm. not the nicest part of town. Mm. Um, there's definitely like stuff that went on there that wasn't safe, right? And then from there, I moved over to Cyprus. So I was close to Lone Star and then my rent goes up even more. It's yeah. like, man, I'm spending thousands of dollars each year on something that I'm never going to see a return on. It wasn't like I was paying for a house, right? Mm -hmm. you know, um, this is just money that's literally going out the door, Yeah. right? Um, so that was where, you know, kind of having that and then having, uh, you know, someone older than myself, who's also accomplished way more than I have, be able to like, look at me and tell me like, you know, hey man, you're not, you know, you're not a failure for moving back in with your parents. You know, you're just taking a different path. You're saving some money, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that was huge for me. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't the easiest thing to do. Uh, it also wasn't the hardest thing to do. I've adjusted. Um, yeah. That being said, I am ready to get out again. <laughs> I'm ready to be out of Katie more than anything. Right. Um, uh, yeah. I, I think it's, it's that conflict between independence and um, I guess what independence really means, like, like you, you have an idea of what it, what it feels like, what it might be, and then like what it actually is. And I think what it actually is is think more so in it is independence, but it's having like a right take on how this or your take on how this world may work and yeah. what the realities are within it. And I can tell you, for me at least coming back to my hometown it was again a sign of regression For, yeah and i i don't i don't look back at it like that anymore but at that time leaving for we, we were leaving for spring break and i very much knew that we weren't coming back yeah there was like oh we might not we might but it was pretty obvious that we weren't going to come back by that time like a lot of universities in the u.s had closed down so i was like kind of bummed out because I had made so many memories in Austin, had a lot of, you know, great friends here, and now you're you're going back for what is probably going to be a very good amount of time, not just mm -hmm. those two months. And I think the first three months or two months were me trying to resist my environment. Yes, saying like this absolutely. isn't like this is not where I am. Like I'm 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 my my head's still in Austin, right? Yeah. And I think what's important is to acknowledge the, what the new normal is. And for the longest time, I think I just felt like I was in limbo. Like mm -hmm. we're just here, things just happening are happening. And I think acknowledging your environment, when I talked about um, blind positivity earlier, like for me, I was trying to find a silver lining in this situation in, in like, oh, well, at least I'm getting this out of this situation, right? And I think acknowledging that things could be better and like right now is not the best time that's okay. And yeah. I don't think that's a sign of learned helplessness. I think it's more so you marinating in your situation, acknowledging your situation, and then figuring out a way on how to go forward with that situation. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I feel like there, you know, there's something to be said. There's an importance of, like you said, recognizing your situation and not 
you know, not looking at everything through rose tinted glasses, you know, like mm -hmm. not, you know, not everything is a good thing. There are bad things that happen, right? You know, right. there are unfortunate situations. And when you can acknowledge that and also like accept it and move forward with that, uh, you're able to, you know, in a sense, learn from it more, uh, cope with it more, you know, mm -hmm. and progress from there. Because if you, you know, if, if you're looking at COVID as like that blind positivity you're talking about, if, if everything has to have a good meaning to it, right? If everything happens for a reason, I hate that saying, everything yeah. happens for a reason, nothing. It, personally, you know, I'm not religious at all, right? I feel like everything, you know, everything just happens at chance you know, or, or because you've done something, right? Mm -hmm. So like for me, my car breaking down, that didn't happen for a reason, you know, it just happened. It's I mean, just it, a thing it happened, happened. Like a <laughs> it happens because of like a result of something, but it doesn't yeah, mean it's going to take you to somewhere great. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it didn't, it didn't happen uh, in order to progress me forward as a human being, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. that's not what was going on there, but because I can recognize that and it's like, you know, you know, this sucks, right? But what am I going to do about it? You know, am I going to, Am I going to sit there and, you know, if, if I searched for like the good meaning in that, I'd be disappointed when I found out that it just ended up costing me $3,000 and that was it. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, like there's, there's nothing else that really came out of that directly, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but because I can accept that and I don't have to have this positive meaning, I'm not being let down, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's important. And I think that, you know, especially with like, you know, if you're looking at, if you're looking at quarantine, right? Like, Oh, you know, if you're telling yourself this happened, you know, for a reason in the sense like this, again, going back to this happened. So, you know, so something good can happen later on. It's not necessarily that, you know, you can look for the good things in it. You can, you can find good in it. That's absolutely okay. But, uh, you know, don't be disappointed when you're not a millionaire by the time COVID's over. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I do know, like there were these sayings around like March or April, like, Oh, if you didn't come out of, this quarantine with the side hustle then what does that say about you and that's something like in earlier on i was like oh okay that that's a good motivator for me like i, I fucked with it and then after a while i'm like no that's kind of like messed up because yeah you're, you're not <laughs> acknowledging people's situation and what people Absolutely. are going through and it's it doesn't like i think in terms of mental health it is okay again to acknowledge your situation acknowledge that these genuinely as much as this word has been overused these genuinely are unprecedented times. Mm -hmm. And at first I was um, like, has my mental health regressed, right? Like I'd faced these demons before, why am I facing them again? And then part of me was like, well, and I think my, my, my mom said it best and she was just like, as, as basic as the statement sounds, she was like, that's life and like, mental health isn't necessarily just a linear path you yeah know? it isn't just like oh check mark i'm healed next thing right and i think just settling with that settling with the fact that these aren't normal times it's okay and it's always okay to feel these things i think that goes a long way for just um one step forward towards being okay in terms of just again marinating in your situation learning how to cope with it and learning how to move forward but the first step is acknowledging your situation definitely yeah so one one thing that i did for myself uh after kind of, kind of like once you know things started to settle again things started to open back up was mm -hmm. i joined a muay thai gym so i used to do kickboxing back in high school yeah getting back into it and 
uh, one thing my coach said to me that like really stuck with me. And it, it's funny because it stuck with me, like, you know, in the essence of when, like when I'm in class, when I'm training, but also outside of it too, he's like, you know, he said, there's four steps to correcting a mistake or to fixing something. So like I, there's this technique that I just kept screwing up and he's like, there's four steps to fixing this. It's like one, you've got to acknowledge it. You have to recognize it. He said, mm-hmm. two, you have to notice yourself doing it when it's happening, right? Three, you have to try and fix it and it's not going to happen. He said, four, you have to try again, you know? And right. he's like, those are your four steps. He's like, you know, one, he's like, he said, me telling you right now, he said, me telling you that you're screwing this up. That's step number one. He said, two is going to be recognizing it while you're doing it. Three, you know, again, three, you try to fix it. You don't, four, you try again, right? And he's like, you might fix it. You might not, it might never get fixed, but yeah. just that, that constant, you know, again, acceptance, recognizing it, try and try again. That, those four steps for me, I mean, those have been huge, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a huge thing with mental health. Cause like you said, you know, it's not a linear path. It's not like this thing where, uh, you know, oh, I was depressed in high school and I'm not depressed now. And now I'm going to be even happier next year. You know, it, yep. it goes wherever it comes and goes, you know, and it's not just left, right. It's also up, down, forwards, backwards. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, a big thing with my mental health is, you know, I've got to be okay. What, you know, what is the situation I'm in? What am I experiencing? Right. This is it happening right now in this moment. You know, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to grow through it, learn from it. It's not going to happen. I might regress more and then I'm going to try again, you know, and yeah. those four steps are just, I mean, to me, at least the key to just, just remaining stable in a sense, like yeah. being able to push through things. And, and clearing up that, that mental fog that might yeah, be absolutely. present. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, well, this podcast, this conversation has flown by in terms of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Before we head out, um, I remember talking to you about it, I think. We, we talk like again a week back but like a year ago yeah. i remember talking to you about this and you said that you wanted to start a rock climbing gym is that still part of the nathaniel agenda yeah man oh that's a tough one i i want to do something i want to i want to start a business that's a big thing for me i want to mm-hmm. i want to start a business i want to own a business and i want it to be something that people can come and better themselves at so um Right now, it's looking like it's looking like a martial arts school or rock climbing gym. Okay. Um, the issue is right now, like the rock climbing gym market, uh, the issue is like threefold. One, the market's kind of saturated, and saturated by a lot of big investors too. There are a lot of guys in Texas, especially that you know are have big money from oil that have mm. gone and invested in this industry. They've mm-hmm. got into it, and you know, props to them, good for them, right? Yeah. But um, you know, it's a little bit harder to start like a grassroots gym at this point. Um, right. Yeah. This the second issue is. Uh, and what I, I mean, what COVID's shown me is, you know, leisure activities are definitely one of the first things to go when shit hits the fan, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, like when push comes to shove, you're obviously you're going to lose, uh, you know, your leisure activities first, your movie theaters, your restaurants, you know, and then your your sports, right? Like mm-hmm. that goes out the window. So I want something that's going to be like a viable option. Um, I still plan on opening against some sort of either like martial arts school, rock climbing gym, something, um, but just bearing that in mind that, you know, I also need to probably be smart with my investments and where I put my money. Right. Uh, and then, yeah. And then the third issue is just doing it, you know, like <laughs> just mm-hmm. putting your mind to it and getting it done. Um, and so that's what, you know, I'm sticking with it, keeping my head down, finishing my degree up. Uh, mm. I hate hybrid classes, but I'll get them done. <laughs> yeah. I was, yeah. I was going to ask, like, how do you think um, instructors have done or in case for your college, how do you think they've done in terms of addressing the needs of the yeah. student? I'm not going to discount them whatsoever because this is 
obviously something that no one was, you know, planning right. on having happen, right? Mm -hmm. um, I wish that some things would have been done different. I wish some things could be done different, um, but I, I'm not going to knock any professor for what they, you know, for the yeah. effort that they've put into this. Mm -hmm. um, what I will say is, you know, what frustrates me probably the most is uh, online, or it, and it's like two, two professors that I've had where they, they've kind of, with these online classes, I feel like taken a backseat to the instructing part, to, you know, to the, the instruction portion. And yeah. they've said, hey, here's your textbook. And then there are questions at the end of your textbook, read it, answer the questions. And then that's been my class. Um, again, I'm not going to knock them as professors because if you told me like, hey, you've got to structure this online class and I've never had any training in that. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously there's a reason they teach lectures, right? Because right. they're probably better at conveying that information through lectures. Now you're asking them to teach an online class. I get that it's difficult. Um, it's frustrating for me just because, you know, if I'm just reading the textbook and answering questions, I could have gone and done that without paying <laughs> a chunk of money yeah. for it, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think everybody's kind of learning and adjusting with it. Um, and then I have, I do have hybrid classes, so I will have some in-person in portions to my classes, mm -hmm. um, which is definitely how I learn best, um, which is, you know, to me kind of a bummer because yeah, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily like the idea of having to go in and be, you know, with people in a confined space, but at the same time, um, I, I'm going into that, I guess, like understanding the risk and doing my best to minimize uh, the risk that I pose to other people, you know? So again, that just goes back to like, what I'm doing, I wear a mask everywhere when I'm going out, you know, I'm making sure I don't go anywhere if I feel sick. Luckily, I haven't felt sick yet, mm -hmm. right? And just like minimizing my contact, I'm definitely not like, uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I've seen people out at bars, I'm not going out to bars. That's like the big <laughs> one, right? I'm not like, yeah, 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 you, yeah, you I, definitely. <laughs> I, I saw like, like frats and sororities on campus just like rushing then, without masks and just in groups. And I'm just like, yeah. what? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Nathaniel. I'm glad we were able to catch up after so long. Absolutely, um, man. Once this thing, and hopefully once it, <laughs> hope I think hopefully is a better word, but uh, hopefully once uh, this thing uh, at least comes to a not an end, cause it's gonna be it's gonna be some time. But once it brushes over just a little bit, then you gotta. You gotta come up to Austin. And we gotta, yeah, man, we gotta hang out. <laughs>